The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. What are you going to do when the famine comes? That's the topic of our sermon today, preached by Elder John Morgan Owens recently. When famine comes, we should turn to the Lord. But as we'll see from several examples, that wasn't always the case with God's people. I believe if you'll be honest in your life, you'll have to admit that you don't always turn to the Lord either in the midst of famine. Join us today for the first half of this sermon entitled, When the Famine Comes. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
you'll turn with me to Genesis uh, chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, I want to ask you a question as we go into this. What do you do when the famine comes for you, okay? When the famine shows up at your doorstep, what do you do, okay? I feel like that's, that's like a song or something. What do you do when the famine comes for you, right? What, what, do you, what do you turn to? Who do you turn to when famine comes? Now, we see a lot of people in the Old Testament, a lot of people in the New Testament, that famine showed up at their doorstep. And you have a lot of different examples of a lot of different people doing different things. Some people go the opposite direction where they should be going when famine shows up. But here we have a man by the name of Abraham. You may have heard of him. Genesis 12 and verse 10. It says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So what did he do? Famine shows up at his doorstep. The Lord had told him to go out to separate himself from his family, his kindred, to go out basically live in a wilderness. And even though he was a very wealthy man, he could have had houses, he, he dwelt in tents, right? And then famine shows up, and what does he do? He goes down into Egypt, all right? I think it's very significant that we see that he, he travels down in elevation, okay? He has to go down into the world, and Egypt is a type of the world used multiple times in Scripture down into the bells and the whistles of the world and all the lights and everything. It, it makes me think of uh, when we drove out to Las Vegas, you know, it's like nothing out there in the middle of the wilderness. And then all of a sudden, these lights start breaking over the horizon and you just go to this, this uh, oasis in the wilderness and the, uh, the desert. He goes down into Egypt. Now, he does this thing. Abraham sort of had this routine when he would roll into town, right? He, he had a beautiful wife, and so he said, listen, here's the story, okay? You're going to tell them that you're my sister, all right? Because they're going to kill me for you, right? So he would do that every time. He had done that to Abimelech. He, do, he does it now to Pharaoh. And, of course, they, they come to him and they say, you know, who is this? Uh, you know, it's like, oh, this is, my, this is my sister. And so then, of course, the Lord, thank the Lord, <laughs> The Lord overrules Abraham and protects her anyway. And then, as a matter of fact, uh, puts it into the mind and the heart of Pharaoh and also in Abimelech, two separate occasions, where he puts it in their heart to, to uh, bless Abraham with, with goods and say, you have, you, you have almost done us wrong. Okay, you've done us wrong by doing this. We do not want to get on the wrong side of you or your God, <laughs> okay? And so they sent him away. He went down when, when, the, when the famine came. He went down into the world. Let's go to Genesis 26. And verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. The Lord had said, I'm going to bless you there in that land. But yet when famine comes, they turn to the world for answers. And so Isaac, just like his father before him, he goes to Abimelech, 
when the famine comes. Now look, this is, you can't make this stuff up, okay? Isaac rolls into town and he says, you know what? <laughs> you're a beautiful woman. He says to his wife, he says, I'm going to pretend like you're my sister. You know, some of the, I don't know if Abraham, like, at one point set him down and said, listen, son, i got to teach you some things. When you, when you roll up into town, you make sure that you tell him that, you know, I don't know if he taught that, if it was just inherited. I don't know what. Sometimes we, we learn mistakes of our parents, right? He does the exact same thing, and, and the Lord blesses again. Praise God. He is so long-suffering and patient with us. That the Lord provides and protects in any way. I believe that they should have stayed out. <laughs> stayed out there. I believe if they had stayed out where the Lord told them to be, that the Lord would have sustained them out there right. in the wilderness. And they wouldn't have to have even have turned to the world. Why do I say that? Well, because there was a time, if you remember, that the Lord sustained Israel out in the wilderness for 40 years. I think He can do it. Don't you think so? All right, let's go to Genesis 25. We're just going to backtrack a little bit, but we're going generationally, okay? Now we're to Esau. In Genesis 25 and verse 29, and Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom, or red. And Jacob said, O Jacob, sell me this day thy birthright. He says, I will, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> that trickster, that rascal. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? You notice Esau's situation. Now Esau's in a famine. It's a, it's a little bit of a different kind, okay? This is a personal famine that Esau's going through. I don't know how, how long he had gone without food. I don't know if, if he was just like we are sometimes and we're hungry and we say, man, I'm starving. And you're not really starving, okay? You, you maybe went just an extra hour longer than you normally do from eating, right? Or maybe you just ate a little less last meal. I don't know. He may have been out there for days working. Here's the situation. He comes in, there's food there that his, that his brother Jacob, who presumably was not working and was just sitting there, I don't know, cooking and having a great time in life. And then he says, I want that food. I'm, I'm dying of hunger. And Jacob says, I'll give it to you if, if you sell me your birthright. <laughs> and so Esau, being in the little personal famine that he's in, he says, I'm in so much pain right now, so much hunger, that I will give away something that has so much value. Not just current value, but future value, right? That means his birthright, his inheritance right, and all of Abraham's wealth, that Abraham's wealth would continue to grow for the rest of Abraham's life. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give it all up for one bowl <laughs> One bowl of soup, right? Now that is, that's sort of a little small, funny example. But the truth is, we all have little famines like this all the time. And, and what happens? We get weak and we say, I am hurting. I'm starving. I can't take it. 
give me the quick fix. Give me whatever is going to get me out of this pain right now. We have got to, you know, the Lord uses the imagery in, in Scripture time and time again of a, of a runner running a race, of a soldier training for battle, even of somebody who is a boxer training, you know. And yet, we sell ourselves so short. <laughs> we take the easy road. We have got to, as, as God's disciples, we've got to be able to push through uh, temporary bouts of pain in order uh, to see and to experience better glory. All right, let's go to Genesis 28. So we talked about Esau. Now let's talk about Jacob, that rascal, who uh, made his brother pay out the nose for uh, a, a pot of uh, a bowl of soup. Jacob did not exactly live through famines like Abraham and Isaac did. But man, Jacob's life was riddled with famines. Personal famines, okay? In Genesis 28, we come to his first famine. Here's what's happened. is that he has he is, uh, basically stolen his brother's birthright. And then he goes into his, his uh, father as his father is basically... Uh, out of his mind at this point. And then he deceives his father and, and backstabs his brother. I mean, you're talking about some wonderful family dynamics here, right? It's beautiful. It's just lovely kumbaya, right? As he's backstabbing, deceiving, he's putting on, uh, he's putting on fur and all kind of stuff to, to deceive his father. And he, and he gets what he wants. And then his, his parents say to him, look, you've, you, can't, uh, you can't go and marry some of these daughters of the world. We've got to send you back home. So he is on his way back. And he is in the middle of deceiving his family. <laughs> I would call that a famine, okay? I, I can't stand drama. Mo most of the people who say that, Love it, right? But I, I say it and I mean it, okay? I can't stand it. When drama starts, starts popping up, I, I start trying to find another place to be, okay? Now, Jacob's life was full of drama. And to me, that would be a life of famine. And so here he is sort of running from his drama for the first time in his life. His brother hates him. I'm so thankful that my brothers love me. I don't, I don't want to live in a world where my brothers hate me, okay? And, and verse 10, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set, and he and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set on, upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. What was he seeing there? That they say, you know, Jacob's ladder. You know, well, we see over in John chapter 1, and it's around verse 50 or so, where, where Jesus says, you'll see greater things than this. You'll see heavens open, the angels of God ascending and descending upon uh, the Son of Man, the Son of God, right? Who was that ladder? It was Jesus that he was seeing. 
Even in the midst of famine, God found him there. Okay? So this, this shows us a little something different. It's not just about how you respond to the famine, but who shows up in the famine. Okay? Now, if Jesus shows up in your famine, famine comes knocking, and then Jesus comes right behind it with you. I'll take a famine every day. Amen. If it means I get to see my Savior again. Jacob got to see him. And he called that place Bethel. That, that Jacob has a period of famine. You know, his, his life of drama uh, continued. As a matter of fact, it amplified. Okay? Because then he is just... He is just living his, his life, and then he sees this woman, and he is just madly in love with her. And then uh, her father is, is, you know, a kind of a bit like Jacob, you know, makes him work for it, and then deceives him, and then he works seven more years because he doesn't really like that wife, okay? That's so sad. And so he has two wives. God never said or, or put his approval on multiple wives, okay? But this guy, he got, he got to have two wives. And then as a matter of fact, he ends up taking up, uh, I think, two more at least. And then they begin competing against one another as to who can have the most children. And, and even the children get in on it at one point. I mean, and it is just a house of chaos. And, and then famine number two hits. As, as he's dealing with all of that, and then he's trying to go back home, but he still doesn't know if his brother hates him, wants to kill him or not. Man, so sad. So what does he do? This really, this breaks my heart. He says, I'm going to separate my, my family. I'm going to separate my family and my children into individual batches, as, and they will get to, to Esau first. And that, that may, if it, if it doesn't go right, you know, if Esau starts killing them, He'll only kill the least important first. Right. Bless his heart, or, or bless her heart, Leah. You know, Leah gets sent first, and, you know, the unfavorite children, they get sent first. If they die, no, you know, no big deal. So sad. And so, he's wondering about what to do with his life. <laughs> he's in a famine. And that night, he crosses the brook. What does he do? He goes and he wrestles a man. I believe that that was God there with him. He wrestled with. Have you ever wrestled with God? Now, you know, it's, it's not very wise to wrestle with God. I don't think I really have to say that, do I? Uh, to, to get in a wrestling match with God, you know, you realize that he walked away from that with a limp for the rest of his life. But now there is a sense in which when you have a struggle, when famine has come for you, and you're trying to decide what you need to do. I've had many times, nights, days, hours, whatever it is, where I have struggled and I've wrestled with decisions with God. I haven't, I mean, I'm sure I've wrestled against Him plenty of times, okay? Most of the time, it's just me grappling and wrestling with the decisions, and I'm asking for God's help. See, famine hit him that time. And what did he do? God found him the first time. The second time famine comes, he turns to God. Okay? Yeah. He sought out God with persistence. Amen. 
And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, that may sound to be a, a little uh, overly confident in the presence of God. But look, God has told us that we can approach boldly right. unto the throne of grace because of the blood of Christ. Okay? He even tells that, that parable of the unjust judge and, and the, the, the woman who sought him and kept pestering him. He, said, he used that as an example of how we ought to pray. If you are seeking wisdom in a situation, you can seek God out. You can, you can lay your hands on Him and say, I won't let go until you give me a blessing. Now here's the beauty. God may make you hold on for a long time. Right. He may make you hold on for a long time. But what do you do when famine comes? There was a third famine in, in Jacob's life. You know, after his children were growing up, and as you can imagine, they were, uh, you know, they were lovely individuals because they had come up in a family of drama, right? And so, you know, uh, this situation happens with Dinah, you know, a very sad situation. And then his sons decide that they're going to get vengeance, and they, they get vengeance, let me tell you. They get some revenge. And so immediately following that situation, Jacob is stuck again with the family that he had encouraged to be so dramatic. You know, he, he made his bed, right, as they say. What did he do? What, God came to him when that famine, and he said, I want you to go back to Bethel. Build me an altar there. That place where God had appeared to him the first time. He said, go back there. Build me an altar. And, and what did Jacob do? He went there, and he worshiped God. What do you do when famine comes for you? Okay, I pray to God that you might go to the place that you know is going to be some food there. Right. He went back to Bethel. That was the place when he was just minding his own business and God intercepted him on his path. And he, he said, I can go back to that place and be fed again. That's exactly what God told him to do. I pray that when famine hits you, you're out there, you're minding your own business, your circumstances change, you're discouraged, maybe you're going through a little dry patch spiritually, okay? Maybe uh, because of lack of effort or because of actions, you have distanced yourself a little bit from the fellowship of God. We have all been there, okay? I pray that you go back to Bethel, <laughs> that you go back to the house of God because you know that this is the place that you can get some food, okay? All right, so Genesis 41, we've come down every generation, Abraham, Isaac, Esau, and Jacob. Now we've come down to Jacob's favorite son, Joseph. Now Joseph didn't necessarily <laughs> go down into Egypt, okay? He was sent down into Egypt, okay? I mean, you can't blame him for that. His brothers sold him into slavery. And then the slave, the, the slave traders took him to Egypt, and then because of the Lord's blessings and overruling the bad circumstances that people kept putting him in, 
the Lord kept bringing him up to positions of authority. You know, it was promised, I believe it was promised to Isaac. Uh, promised to Abraham about Isaac and about Isaac's children. That, that he would sit in the seat of the gate of those that hate him. That he would, he would be put in positions, that his children would be put in positions of authority over people that did not respect them. And here we have Joseph, this little slave boy from a, from a family full of drama. And here he comes just through the blessings of God and through his own, uh, and, and through being willing to serve God wherever he's put. And then he comes up all the way to being second in command of Egypt. And he interprets that dream that famine is coming. And so they prepare for it. And the Lord, in so doing, saves Egypt, but mainly saves his people. Okay, Because the famine was so bad in the land that the people had to go to Egypt. Okay, There may be situations in your life where the Lord provides for you in ways that you would not expect. It's amazing to me to see the grace of God, that He would save that nation Egypt for the sake of His children. You realize that, right? That maybe they needed a little infrastructure, some storehouses, some things like that, to save up for that time of famine. Egypt was the place to do that. God saved Egypt for the sake of His little Israelites out there in the wilderness. Okay? He may just be doing that now. You know? You ever thought about that? He may be saving the wicked nations of this world for the sake of His little sheep there in it. You may not feel very significant. You may not feel like you have power to make decisions in this world, but the Lord looks down and His, his eyes are on you. Amen. He just may be saving this nation for your sake. Of course, we also see that, that through that, through Joseph being there in the midst of famine, that Egypt became very, very powerful in that. I believe that Egypt, for the rest of its history, had Joseph to thank for that. Okay, Because what happened when the famine came? People got weak. And so they started selling their land because they needed money quick. And who was buying? Joseph was buying up land for Egypt. Okay? And so it says that Egypt came to own almost everything around there because Egypt bought it because they were ready for famine. Nobody else was. It was sort of like, like Esau selling his birthright. You get weak and you say, man, I, 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 need that, I need that quick fix. I'll be willing to give up my future for it. Man, we get so weak when we're shaken in the midst of famine. All right, so then we come down to Israel and in, 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 uh, in Egypt. As, as they begin to stay there in Egypt, maybe they overstayed their welcome, I'm not sure. But once Joseph passed away and the people forgot about who Joseph was, they didn't care about these Israelites. They took them in and enslaved them and, made, and built their society on their backs. So then the Lord comes in and he, he gives up Egypt for the ransom of his people. You, you see that? This great nation, and he says, I don't care about this nation anymore. I want my people. So he gave up Egypt as a ransom for his people. 
brings them out into the wilderness. And I can't imagine a bigger famine than leaving Egypt and going out there into the wilderness of Sinai, the wilderness of sin. And, and I understand. I, we give them a hard time when they say they, they have seen the Red Sea divide. They've seen all the miracles in Egypt. And they say, why have you brought us out here to let us starve in the wilderness? And man, we're like, how could you even do that? How could you see those kind of miracles? And then you hit, you hit a, a fork in the road, you hit a block in the road, and you say, why, God, have you done this? But yet, I do that almost every day. And that, isn't that so unfortunate? You know, we prayed so long for us to be able to have a child. We didn't even know if we were going to be able to have one. And years of prayer and efforts. And then God blesses that. We have a child. And then he comes along. And then you know what happens? <laughs> you know, just a few days in and, and things are not quite going so, so good. And all this sort of stuff is happening. And, and then we're like, Lord, have you brought us here? <laughs> have you brought us here to just leave us? Well, you know, why are you helping and it's like, I'm just like those Israelites. Have I not seen the miracles of God and His provision and His deliverance? I think He can help us with these little things right here. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.